0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Echelon Cycling Podcast where we talk about what's been happening in pro cycling in the week and also look ahead to the week ahead. And today, of course, I'm joined by, as always, uh, well, audio cycling and creator and more importantly, Netflix star, uh, Patrick, (laughs) and of course, also uh, Mr. Crowe himself, Ewan Wilson. And uh, I mean, guys, National Champs Week just happened. I love this love this weekend and uh i mean patrick and i we were at the national road race Uh, i was actually at the national time trial as well tarling won 19 year old youngest winner ever in british history which was incredible but yeah patrick and i actually didn't meet up which was a bit confusion but uh, yeah i mean patrick you might as well tell us what happened in the british cycling uh
1: it was just like every single weather condition you could imagine it was sort of like i much remember the 2019 world championships but without like every like big nation there and it was just like a national event it was kind of like that there was lightning over like over the ocean there were just thunderstorms and thunder it was it was crazy i'm surprised there weren't more crashes to be honest but it was a very attritional race basically um just every time it went into Saltburn, as there's steep kind of 20 percent climb and it was just a slow whittling down process to be honest with you until eventually on the second, while well, going into the last lap, James Knox attacked, brought away a group of Stephen Williams and Fred Wright. Eventually with a couple of like, little moves that they were doing amongst each other, it was eventually Fred Wright who pinged off the front and took a, a few seconds only into that final climb. And I, I did think that James Knox was going to, with my absolute ferocious screaming at him, I thought he was going to close the gap, but he didn't. And it was Fred Wright who took victory, which I, which I think is a very, um, it, it's a crowd-pleasing moment. I think everybody generally likes Fred Wright. He's just a, a very modest, good personality, I think. Uh, and uh, I think uh, it was a, a good winner. He was very emotional. You know, it's his first uh, pro-victory, I think it is. So good to see and we'll see that national champs jersey up at the tour so very looking forward to seeing what Bahrain will do with that they are quite good at their national champs jerseys it's not like a UAE situation so I think it'll actually be quite good this time
0: I mean the time trial as well we had plenty of uh Winners, new winners, Joao Almeida winning in Portu- Portugal. I, I don't know why I brought him up first, but Josh Tarling. Denmark, we had Matthias Skilmo, so almost winning that title. Unfortunately, he didn't. Kespa and taking it once again. Uh, was there any a time trial on the time trial front that kind
1: of stood out for you guys? I think it was the Belgian one that kind of stood out for me. I think there was a little bit of the stuff there. had a crash there, and Wout Van Aert won. But I think the main thing is almost this Alex sigart who won. Oh, well, no, he didn't win. I was going to say he won second place, that seems a bit weird to say, but he was in second place and he's, what, 20 years old, something like that? And this guy is just insane, considering that he then doubled down with another second place in the road race behind Avonapol, in a two-up sprint, this guy has got some serious beans. Alex Zachar tests to be one of the breakout stars of, of the past week. Such a strong
2: performance there. We knew his name, but mean, finishing second in the time trial and the road race at the age of just 20, he put himself firmly in the map this week. Uh, in the United States, actually, I thought uh, Brandon McNulty winning the USTT was quite a nice result. Continuing the momentum he's been building this year as well. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how UAE handle the Star Spangled Banner jersey. Hmm. They're not usually known for their, for their, um, their national championship. Uh, designs, but maybe maybe this year will be a little bit different. Also, Jos van Emde winning in the Netherlands was a bit of a sort of return to the old guard. We had Bauke Malma, Tom de Milan, and Wilke Caldwin win it over the years, but Jos van Emde is this kind of older statesman of of Jumbo Visma and
0: of Dutch cycling. So it was good to see him win that one once again. I mean, neither of you mentioned Tadej Pogačar winning. Just a given. <laughs> yeah, I mean, against the field, it wasn't like there was a Jan Tratnik. He's recovering from injury. Roglic, whatever he's doing, still celebrating the Giro win. But there was an improvement on his 2020 win. I think it was around a minute and a half. So maybe mm-hmm. that is good signs for that. But we're not going to go on to Tadej Pogacar just yet in terms of the road races. Remco Evenepoel winning it as world champion. And uh, was there any other big results that kind of caught your eye in terms of the road race? Matthias was winning in Denmark. That was a huge result for him. And uh, good to have like one of the GC riders. Or hopefully one of the GC riders wearing the Danish kit and Kristoff uh, not just well not just but his teammate taking the victory and him finishing second. Bogachev did have some some opposition here. Uh, Bahrain
2: Victorious had a double act. Oh opposition. yeah, true. Yeah, and and Kovetska.
0: That's true. That's true.
2: One that what they tried to chase and then they couldn't. Pogacar and Mezgetz were, if you, they were joking around, they were passing drinks and stuff to each other, they're having a conversation, literally riding two abreast at some points, until the final two kilometers where they actually decided to race. Pogacar attacked the climb and that was it done. I feel a bit sad because, like, Mezgetz, he's done so much for Slovenian cycling, he's been around there for so long, I don't think he's won it before. But, I mean, it's Pogacar. Pogacar winning this is quite a big deal for, for, for Slovenia, and I'm intrigued to see how they handle the, the Slovenian jersey again. Will it be like a mountain-style design, like Roglic's 2020, that iconic Slovenian Champions kit, or will it be like Pogacar's old Slovenian Champions kit that he rode in the time trials in 2020? That one was not the best, but we'll find out. You, you there's a lot of pressure in your hands this year.
1: There's was also, like, I mean, one which I think Ewan and I will definitely like, liking is that Valentin Madwas won the French national champs, which is just so good. I mean, Ewan's got his, the, the good flag in the background as well, representing Madwas. So I think that was just a, that was a good one. And I saw that. I thought, yes, felt like such a, a perfect moment. Who else won? Dylan Van Baal is Dutch champion. Lascarno is Spanish champion. He beat. Ayuso. And Ayuso didn't win the Spanish TT champs either. Which is surprising, because he won the TT in Tour de Suisse. So I was a bit like, maybe just didn't care as much. I don't really know. I mean, outside of that, there's Emmanuel Buchmann won the German one, and Quinn Simmons won the USA. Mark Hershey is back once more. He won the Swiss championship as well. So you were here getting lots of national champs jerseys. And now I'm scared. But we're not going to see anything. Hershey will just have this tiny little just like Swiss thing just on his armor summit, <laughs> just like nowhere. But I'm looking forward especially to Madwas because we know how good Group Armor go with their with their jerseys. You know, just look back to Kung and uh, Genietz in the past couple of years, and the fact that it's going to be the French one as well. You know, that's going to be a, a serious one. Like it's going to be good. it'll be like Amaral when he was in his TT jersey. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Group Harmer do for Madwas going into the top. I think that's going to be a, a real special jersey. Mezgic won the nationals back in
0: 2017, so he has tasted success. Tadej hasn't tasted success. So. Okay, there we go. There we
2: go. Thank you for the for the correction there, because uh, I was I was feeling like I just couldn't remember him being in the jersey. But uh, the French the French Championships was I'm going to say the best one of the weekend. It was so. So chaotic. The French one is always, like, strange because, like, you have a couple of teams with, like, 20 riders in the race, which is, like, Groupama, Arkea, Ajudezert, Total, they're all there. And the first, like, two hours were just... It was so... Crazy. Oh uh, big groups all across the road. You had like quentin Pacher like in in a group with a two-minute lead with, with a couple of other favorites. Bernard Cosnefois attacking with 90 kilometers to go. Juna alaphilippe was vomiting on the bike and had to pull out of the race. It was so chaotic. And I mean it was all like with, with Group Army, you couldn't tell who they were going for. And then at about 20 kilometers to go, Madwars goes for it and the race was done. I think everyone was just so tired. It was raced so so attritionally, that once Maddoise went, it was like game over and he got a very big lead very quickly. That was definitely an interesting one to watch. Netherlands as well. Dylan van Beiler rode a solid race. Matthijs van der Poel was trying to chase on but couldn't follow. And then van der Poel and Olaf Koi were chasing in a group behind. It was in Limburg as well. So it was like hilly Netherlands as well, so you would have thought that that would suit uh, Matthias van der Poel, but it did not in the end. Also, in the Czech Republic, do you have this strange dynamic of the Czechoslovak national championships? So, the Czech Republic and Slovakia still do theirs together. Uh, Matijs Vacek won the race uh, for the Czech Republic, and in the sprint behind, Peter Sagan crashed into Pavel Bittner about five metres after crossing the line. Both of those riders got second. The win in Slovakia went to... uh...
0: Not Sagan, crucially, it
2: wasn't Sagan, and it's a not a rider I'm familiar with. Matus Stoček, who who won, but you, you could see Sagan in his final Slovak championships. Probably he just crashes all, all across the line. I think it's kind of like a it's symbolic of where Sagan's season has been ever since he won that that championship last year, and how it's sort of gone downhill. And I feel sorry for Pavel Bittner as well. He was so close to winning that race, and they just come clashing down across the line and they actually I think they struck a photographer or something after the finish as well so that was a bit of a rough one and yeah I mean Ben Healy is well in Ireland good to see him back in the Irish Champions jersey I'd love them to be I'd love them to spice it up and give it a little bit of green, white and gold but I don't think they will um, for the years to come so yeah it was definitely an interesting uh, National Championships weekend we have plenty of big winners or big riders wearing those jerseys next year well, this year, rather.
0: Uh, nevertheless, we spoke about title Gacha, and, I mean, plenty of people has called, called uh, you and uh, Gacha fanboy. And, uh, yeah, we're going to take this opportunity to say, why is title Gacha going to be winning the 2023 Tour de France? Uh, we'll let Patrick go first, and then you, oh, you and Gacha right. can... You and can uh,
1: yeah, all right. I was going to let you go first to kind of let Rip. rip. Um, I think that Gacha will win... Actually, to be fair, I do kind of think that he, he will win. I think that UAE, with Adam Yates in there, I think that Jumbo Visma having Robert there last year was really good. That really helped Jonas, and I don't think that he has that this year. But I do think that could Yates, he has been looking better this year at UAE in comparison to when he was at Ineos last year. And I am thinking whether UAE could deploy Yates and put pressure on Jonas. I think it's a possibility. If they try and keep him up there in GC, you know, have to remember that I know he was dropped at up, like quite a fair, like by a, a fair margin in the Dauphiné by Jonas, but Roglic was like a, a little a fair bit back in GC when we were going up the Glibier, and yet Pigatra still reacted. So I think that Pigatra will win, be based upon. Team dynamics. I think that Yumba Visma might be a bit regimented and I think that UAE are pretty willing to throw the kitchen sink at it. And I think that they might just catch Yumba Visma off guard. The Gacha will be better at picking up bonus seconds, you know, but it doesn't make the race, but it will help to put pressure on Jonas to to do something. Because if they're ahead in GC then it's all on Jonas to try and do the attacks rather than be the one defending. So I think it'll be based upon team dynamics and also just Pigacha just being Pigacha and just his aggressive racing style. Yeah, I do think, honestly, that Pogaccio will win this race, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to do it. Yeah, I think it's
2: going to be really interesting. That team dynamic, as you said, with Adam Yates, they could probably fit him into a third place or fourth place overall, then sort of play with all the other teams and the other competitors, like your Jai Hindley's, your Ben O'Connor's, your Roman Balde's, and see how they react when... Yates is right up there in the GC. But similarly, Yumbo could do the same with Wilco Kelderman as well. So maybe it's sort of tit for tat there. Based on form recently, I'm probably more favorable towards Yates than Kelderman. But Kelderman's more consistent as a Grand Tour racer. Uh, But is he aggressive enough? We don't quite know. I think Pogaccio, if he's up to full force, I think it's going to be a really interesting race in terms of what what, what UAE do here. Yumbo are bringing a very similar team to last year, and yes, they completely dominated last year's race, but I don't quite think they can replicate and copy-paste that this year. How willing are they to sort of test out new tactics, try out new things this year? Last year's Tour de France was really renversé, like, turned on its head at the Côte du Garnon stage, where this year, if you don't have that kind of de d'Organon dynamic on one of the days, then what does the rest of the race become? That could certainly become a very interesting part of, of the Tour de France. Maybe it's going to be a sort of stalemate for a while in that first week of racing where they're looking at each other so sternly and no one, everyone's too scared to make that first move. But they seem so equally matched at certain points as well over the past two years, and they've sort of been riding together in the mountains. It's, it's just going to take one of these big, sort of game-changing days to really... Uh, put one of them in the yellow jersey but I think Pogancha with his sort of polyvalent style his aggressive willingness to race his relentless willingness to race I think he's probably he could definitely crack Jonas I think in that final week of racing in particular given that Jonas is looking really hot on form this year is he peaking too early like like Pogancha last year is he pe- has he has he gone too to quick out of the blocks whereas Pogancha is recovered from injury, and he's probably going to age into this race, and his team around him are going to support that, especially once we get into the high mountains in the Alps in that final week of racing, where we see the likes of Felix Gorshardt, Rafael Micah, Marc Soler, and Adam Yates really come into their own whilst Yotish notes and so forth are, are, are struggling to stay onto that, that group of favourites. UAE probably do have the upper hand of the team. Pogacar as well. I think he'll probably win that time trial in the final week of racing. UAE have been looking far better in time trialling this year than Jumbo Visma. I know, hot take. But just look at the recent Dauphiné results. Miguel Biel beat Jonas Wienergaard, even looking at sort of, the, the uh... results of the top 10.
0: I have a sneaking suspicion Bingor let Megelbiao take that victory. <laughs> kind of, yeah. V- Vingor looked disappointed off, off, off the finishing line. I don't know. I I I just they're so good friends of the Danish pros that Migr Biao hasn't had a single victory, but only Jonas Vingor will know this.
1: That's true, but Gross were also finished in sixth place, which does show a general. I yeah, yeah I think it
0: yeah, I think it's a valid point. And
2: UAE have been missing the mark this year. Wow, Van in Tour de Suisse missed the mark. Yumber. And Nyambo Vism have been missing the mark this year in the, in the time trials. Wow, Van missed out in, um, in Tour de Suisse. Christophe Laporte looked poor at the Dauphiné when he's a pretty good time trialist. Wilco Kelvin missed the mark in the time trials at Tour de Suisse. Um, even at Dauphiné earlier this year, I mean, in that team time trial, they're like the team time trial world champions. Yeah, they, they, they won that strange TTT, but EF was just like breathing down, down their neck, which is a surprising sort of turn of events, really. So um, I just feel like UAE's got this like this underdog momentum this year. I think we might be underplaying UAE's value and we're just sort of thinking of Jumbo Visma as demigods, whereas UAE have a super strong team. And think about where they were in 2021. They controlled that race really well. Last year, they had half a team towards the end. This year, they have a much better team than they've ever sent to the Tour de France uh, since they rebranded, and sp- specifically with Pogacar. So I'm very excited to see how this one's going to go. And I think Pogacar might just have the upper hand.
0: That first week last year was just tailor-made for Tadej Like, <laughs> it was incredible. And I think this first week isn't it's a lot more neutral, like you both were saying, that they are very similar. There's no cobble stage, there's no long we finish, that kind of thing. He really well, showed himself really well, I think. You
2: say no long we finish, but the opening stage in Bilbao could probably suit Pogaccia there. He could probably get a, get a top three on that kind of stage. Then looking towards stage two, there's a bonus second sprint at the top of the of the final climb of the day. Pogaccia could gain time there. Going into La Hans on stage five, I believe it is. Pogacar won there in 2020. If it comes down to the group of favourites in a sprint, is probably going to win that. Cotere probably will, will be a neutralised GC battle. And then going into Puy-de-Dôme, it's a very steep finale. Pogacar was good in the Massive Central back in 2020, that year's Tour de France, when he and Roglic really dominated the race at puy marie I'd say it, it does suit Pogacar. Not quite as tailor-made as last year, but it definitely suits him.
1: I also think that, like you're saying, you and I think UAE is generally just a bit stronger. I would on balance, I'm just looking at our team. I would on balance take Grossharkner, Micah, Soler and Yates over Kusk, Heldeman, Benote. Like when you just say those names are like, I know you could throw and Art in there as well, depending on like, you know. If he's, if he's even in the race if his kid's being born or whatever I just think on balance UE just have a stronger mountain train I think they have the ability to dictate the, the race a bit more to be honest with you I think that Jumbo really took the rough of the neck of the race last year especially in that stage 11 but I'm just not convinced they can do the same as you're having but UE are the, the main protagonists we've all said this I think it was
0: absolutely criminal that Adam Yates joined UE Team Emirates such a strong rider, top 10 before, winner of the white jersey. And I think you're both right that, yeah, they're definitely going to be taking two Jombo this year. But, yeah, even the fact that they're leaving out a strong rider as Brendan Minolte just shows the depth of this UAE team, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I didn't even, I didn't even clock with it, it on bringing McNulty. Um, But, yeah, he is a, because he was, he was very good last year. You know, I think we all remember what was it? Was it Pelagud or something where him, he was leading Pigacha and uh, and Jonas? I mean, eventually on that day, all that really happened was that Pigacha only really gained four bonus seconds essentially on Jonas. So, but still, the, the fact remains that Brandon McNulty was really good in that stage, better than any other young-obes because none of the rest of them were there. So, yeah, I think you're right. Pot are just uh, mopping up all sorts of talent right now, and Leaving out McNulty is just almost a flex to the rest of the peloton.
0: UAE side, uh, we might as well move on to some other things here. And uh, we, we've kind of, we'll, we'll get on to predictions later on, but in terms of this year's Tour de France, there's twenty one stages available, and which stage do you guys think is gonna be the hardest stage of this year's tour? We know stage seventeen is incredible with the Col de la laws et cetera, but is there a stage that you guys or stages we might as well talk about the hardest stages of the tour open that up a bit stage 17 has to be the number one for the
2: hardest stage called la la as we saw in 2020 probably the most attritional stage apart from la planche time trial that we had at that year's tour de france it's the highest point it's probably i think it is the longest climb in the tour de france we finished on a downhill which might change it a little bit but It's Nonetheless, it's still going to be tough. And we have Comedos, a couple of difficult climbs that lead on to that finale as well. I also believe the stage to Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc on stage 15 at the end of the second week of racing is a really tough one. The final 50 kilometers are relentless. And the final kicker to Saint-Gervais-Mont-Blanc, it's a two-step climb. We have a steep first part, a downhill, and then another steep kicker all the way to the end in Saint-Gervais. I think that is going to be a really attritional Alpine stage. And also coming the day before the rest day, it might also mean that the riders are hungry for something
1: i want i want to throw stage 14 into the mix as well with the call de la ramaz then followed by the call de Jouplain. and you know that last climb the call de juplan that's 11.7k at 8.5 percent with bonus seconds at, available at the top and then it's a descent to the finish so you know if you are a pig or whoever and you're wanting to get a couple of bonus seconds you know 11k at eight percent after that's definitely considered as a, an area where you can make some serious ground up and i think with the descent to the finish kind of an out of sight out of mind sort of mentality because if you're kind of just around the corners and they can't see you it's like a mental game as well i think that's going to be a really brutal stage as well you could also probably say that stage one actually we all remember opiomi and the chaos of the first road stage lots of short, sharp, narrow climbs where positioning is key. I think everybody will be thinking about that nightmare day where so much of the peloton crashed that being at the front will be absolutely integral and with such like, yellow, yellow jerseys on the line, the GC riders won't want to lose time, whereas the punchers like Van der Poel and Arts and Alphelips who want to keep in good position. I reckon that might not be the hardest day, but I think that it will probably be the most stressful where the peloton will be really on edge so i think that stage one although not in on paper hardest i think it could be mentally probably the, the hardest one for the peloton to get through for sure
2: also i feel like stage nine and stage 13 will be stressful as well because these are stages that end on steep summit finishes and there'll be a lot of sort of emphasis and pressure put on them at the end of the first week of racing it's the new de dame climb there's probably going to be a lot of sort of speculation of how's it going to be ridden, yada yada yada, because they don't know the climb very well. They haven't. They probably haven't even done a reconnaissance ride, given that the road only opened about a month ago. Uh, so that will be a bit bit of an unknown, and the riders probably will feel very tense about that one. It's the Massive Central, which is usually a quite chaotic part of France when it comes to, to, to the tour. I feel like that stage as well could be quite a big deal. And then Grand Colombier on stage 13, it's Canton juillet, lots of fans on the side of the road also with the added pressure of it being a steep summit finish where paul gotcha won in the past there'll be a lot of pressure to try to flip the script there
0: to what extent do you think the time trial is going to be hard because it's it's not a La Planche to be able to feed time trial but it's not exactly a flat affair to say the least
1: yeah it's a bit of a weird one isn't it? it kind of suits quite a few riders but will probably be for the gc guys to to, to probably take the victory on that day. But yeah, it, it is a tricky one, because there is you know, tough sections in this two kilometres at like 9% or something like that. I think it'll be intriguing to see what teams do in terms of bike, bike changes and stuff like that. You know, that's become weirdly normal in, in TTs and tours. actually. You know, Vajira this year, the Planche de Belfi time trial, you know, it seems to be more and more frequent that teams are having to decide between TT bikes and road bikes. So I'm interested to see what teams do and teams have, in terms of how they going to swap at the bottom of the climb and go with a TT bike. Is that worth it, the 2k at 9% in terms of the time that you kind of lose? I'm not really too sure. We saw in the, in the Giro, I can't remember how long Garrett Thomas or the in on, on balance were still, but let's say it was like 10 seconds or something like that. I don't know, maybe... 15 seconds are you going to gain that time back but when it kind of levels off of the top so is that actually beneficial to have a road bike there i think there's a lot to take into consideration there it's probably one of the harder tts in terms of pacing i'd probably say that plunge de belfie was sort of relatively flat rolling and then just plunge de belfie whereas this is like climb flat very steep climb again and then levels off so i think it's going to be an interesting tt to watch because you could very much have riders who Leading at time point one and then capitulate by the end, you know, I reckon that's a, a very likely possibility.
2: It's it's so short. It's only twenty kilometers. I don't think we're going to get big gaps on that T two. Maybe maybe I'll be horribly wrong with, with that prediction, but I think the time gaps will be quite small.
0: Yeah, We'll see what happens, uh, but yeah, I think we're all kind of agreed that stage 17 is probably the big cheese in terms of these stages, but nevertheless, looking again, well, it is Tour de France week, so we are going to just continue the theme of the biggest bike race in the world. And I mean, we've had kind of most of the selections for the teams and um, some key names missing out, and who do you kind of think is the big names that are missing out of this year's Tour de France? Obviously, Primus Roglic isn't going. Uh, Remco Evenepoel seems like he's not going. The world champion, Belgian champion, now as well. Is there any ones that you're surprised
1: about as well? Listen, it's generally like sprinters. Actually, you know, we're missing. Of course, Quick Step are bringing. Jacobson, but Melia's is at home. Sam Bennett's at home. I know has the whole kabuckle about that as well, but Damar's not here, which is a bit strange. I can understand people's arguments for that because uh, there's quite a few sprint stages. You know, if you say that on balance, there's a third of the stages are going to be sprint stages and Group armor are not going to be represented in those, then you know, do you need a whole team around go do the mountains? Who knows? But I think there's generally quite a lot of sprinters who are missing out on on this race but I can't really think of the main GC riders, I guess you could say a Yuzo, but we we had a clip about that last week are there any other like significant GC riders at home? I can't remember Can
2: you hear that? Chris Froome? Chris Froome? I think think we can all hear it feel it in our hearts Oh (laughs) Um Four-time Tour de France champion. In terms of sort of a name, though, in terms of name value, that's a big one to leave at home. They bought him in 2021 with the sort of, with the objective of sort of getting him back to the Tour de France, getting back to full fitness. He's been saying all year, yeah, I'm building up for July, building up for July. After he had this breakaway day in Rwanda, the post-race interview was, oh yeah, I'm on track to be at the Tour de France in July. Whoopsies! He he has said that he is going to the to the Tour de France next year, apparently, which will finish in his in his new home city of Nice in France this year. I'm I'm surprised they've taken sort of, no offense, but Guillaume Boivin instead of Chris Froome in terms of name value. They've already got that Quebecois name and Hugo All Chris Froome probably would have brought more to the table than Guillaume Boivin in terms of getting headlines and getting sort of column inches. He would have been the most prolific Tour de France champion on on, on that start list. That's all I'm saying.
0: Also, it would have been great for the meme content for the next three weeks. We've said it so many times, Chris Froome, kind of every time he doesn't win a race is kind of just etching away at his legacy, that ferocious tour-dominating force that he was in in the start of the 2010s, mid-2010s. But uh, yeah, I, I think I completely agree, Ewan. On the publicity side, he's a huge name still. And uh, yeah, why are they paying him this much money if they're not going to use him in the biggest race, in the world. Even if you went in a breakaway, that would make headlines everywhere. We saw it with air stage. And mm. uh yeah. Is there anyone else kind of you can think of that we we would want to see here? Any national champions or something like that?
2: Matthias
0: um... Yeah, good point. Um being
2: little track is competitive nowadays, which is good to see, but I feel like Wadzec would have been really cool, really interesting to see how he would have done at this Tour de France. A couple of sort of breakaway days, he could have been a sort of breakout star, if you will, of this year's Tour de France in that new Czech Champions jersey.
1: Hershey's not here as well. I know that's kind of not perhaps massively surprising because his uh, role in the team is... (sighs) It's a little bit weird. I don't really know what Hershey's role in UAE is. He's a, a puncher, but he's kind of not puncher of 2020 that we've seen him be, so it's kind of like he's useful for some puncher finishes to lead out Pogacar, but, you know, can the rest of the team do 90% of what he would do? Like, yeah, probably. But, you know, he is Swiss champ, although you won't be able to see it on his jersey, so maybe that doesn't even really matter, but I don't know, Hershey, maybe, is that one which we're missing? Uh, I don't know, I'm just literally looking for the national champs just like who are we missing? I don't know much about Switzerland,
2: but the flag's a big plus Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways Marquez I do think is actually quite frustrated that he didn't go. I thought he tried to make a point about it at the Tour de Suisse and try to win a stage that didn't happen. In terms of Uno X, De Vazners has been really good this year in France in racing there uh, won some smalls sort to of the French races. He's been podium. Podiuming. Is he not going? He's not going.
0: Whoa! And he's
2: the newly crowned Norwegian champion. And they have already announced that that they're startless, and he's not involved. Shoot! Uh, also, I
0: thought he was going. Oh, that's the cool.
2: Johansson brother is also not going. Tobias is going, but Anders is not.
0: Uh, I'm still in shock. I'm still in
2: shock.
1: It seems a bit weird to me, but Quick Step just in general, right? So they're bringing like Bagioli and Van Zevenant, who, no offense to them, haven't been back great this year. Casper Asgallian has just won Danish Champs in the TT. And, you know, they've also just got some other riders in there, like Maro Schmidt or something like that. Like, is it just me who's wondering why they're bringing Van Zevenant and Bagioli? I just feel like there's better riders. Or is that just me being
0: rude? Remco, Remco.
1: Well, well, yeah, exactly. I just feel like there's other riders. I'm not sure why they are bringing
0: Van
2: Savenant is the one I don't quite care. I think Bad could yeah. be decent, but Van Savenant I don't quite understand. Bringing like a, maybe like a Yan hit from from the Gdo try to get him a stage win or something. I mean, there are plenty of other sort of other teams with other riders who should probably be here. Team DSM are bringing an interesting squad. They didn't bring there. Some people thought he'd come here, but they brought Wellsford instead, both of whom are rumoured to be leaving at the end of the year. to Marche haven't brought a Thyssen, which for me, I know I'm all, all about the Binny train, but a Tayson, I'm worried he's not going to get a Grand Tour start this year. And he shouldn't. Yeah. Also, yes. Arnaud de Lee, similarly, not going
1: to the Tour de France yeah i was gonna say Gervin what Taysen. <laughs> yeah like gilbert tason right he could have won a stage of a zero right people were saying he should have gone to the Giro because if he's going to the tour which seemed to be the plan right that's what everybody was sort of predicting gilbert tason not going to the tour, it's like well you could have gone to the zero and probably won a stage so what's going on there going back to dsm actually i know it's a little bit early and maybe it's just me being yorkshire but max pool has been good here so we I- go but why? I mean, it's, why fair, is, it's why is, Like, they're bringing, I'm sorry, they're bringing Matthew Dingham. Somebody like, has to fill the lower rankings. You, you put, but Max Poole is actually, like, he has beaten Bardet. Like, in my tour, Tor he was better than him. Like, he has been actually really good, and we're not in the era of young riders need to go to the Vuelta as their first grand tour to kind of prove themselves. Like, we're in a different era now, and I do think that Max Paul could have added something to this Giro squad, and I just think that DSM have missed out there as well, to be honest with you. And I don't think that's me just being, like, patriotic to my county. I think that's just a straight-up fact. Also, the Roman conquest is not going to happen. Romain Grégoire is well,
2: knocked out of the Groupama lineup. And as we have been recording, UAE have actually publicly announced their Tour de France start list. Domen Novak has been knocked out, which oh, is um, a bit heartbreaking for me. He was replaced by Trentine, who will be making the Tour de France start list, which is good to see. But Trenton's. yeah.
1: He was good in the Delfine.
2: He was exactly. good in the Delfine. Planning on, well, he could be leaving next year for to Pro Cycling as well. But Virgut it has made it in for UAE.
0: I mean, we had that with their user uh, clip where we said, I usually should go in for the Norwegian, but yeah. Well, I thought we only had a handful of riders here. But this discussion has actually widened somewhat more. And yeah, there's a whole host of riders that should probably should have been on the plane to France but aren't. But yeah, okay, who's your key rider? If you have to pick one shock, who's not here? Just to finish this segment? Who's the big surprise for you? I'm going to say Remco Venepaul because he's the world champion and he's in good shape. So but we all know that I've been banging on about it for weeks.
1: I'm saying Max Paul.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) have to okay based on strength or based on name
2: oh why well, are you gonna say Froom. i i i will say Froom because I, th- I, I i think it's think fair saying... it's fair it's fair yeah because it's fair Froome... okay there are writers matthias wadzeck will be is a much better fitness than chris Froom, and we'll probably get more results but chris Froom will make headlines worldwide even if he finishes 55th on a stage or not, the fact that Chris Froome would be here, I think, would make headlines. Even if he makes a breakaway, that would be the most talked about breakaway, probably, in of that week of, of, of the Tour de France. He is such a big name, and I don't quite understand why Israel, have, Israel Premier Tech have missed him out from, from the squad when they brought him in to do this exact thing and to raise publicity for their squad, especially if they're doing sort of, they're pushing their charity work this year like last year, it would have been a brilliant opportunity for Chris Froome to generate some publicity and some hype.
1: It's, even, it's weird, because Chris Room's out of contract to the end of this year with Israel Premier Tech. And, I don't know, maybe this is a discussion for another day, but you Very know, money. I just don't know what's going to happen to him at the end of this year, because if I was Israel, I ain't resigning signing him. Maybe Surely he'll come back to will. any of us, they're desperate. They will,
2: He's He's Chris Froome. Like they have to sort of keep him on. He also said in the in like his interview about not get making the team that he's gonna be there next year. You'd assume it would be with Israel Premier Tech, but
0: who else is gonna take him
2: on? Human Powered Health.
0: Yeah, we might as well. What's gonna happen with Chris Froome? Because uh, if he's basing himself on this Tour de France selection thing, and now it's not happening, he's very expensive, as we know as well. The reports of five million euros for seasons that don't really equate to that salary. So, yeah, what is the next step for Chris Froome after being snubbed here at the Tour de France?
1: I mean, I think that his value, like, there's no way that he can negotiate that price again. There's no way that a team would take him on for that amount of price. I would honestly consider, we'll just talk about Trenton with Tudor. Would Chris Froome go to Tudor Pro Cycling? They seem to actually have aspirations of going world Tour, so they actually do need results, but would they consider a Chris Froome as a, you know, they've got a very young gun team. How much do they value the experience of a of a four-time Tour de France champion in helping their riders to develop? I just, I just don't personally see that a world Tour team, this is an era where everyone's very much aware of the relegation battle. You can't be taking up your budget with some, guy who isn't bringing in results. I think that he would have to stay at Pro Conte, I think at Tudor, people talk about they've got a pretty decent budget. Maybe that's a, a decent move that he might do. Well,
2: Alberto uh, Daneza is also rumoured to Tudor as well, bringing in more firepower. Um, there's also room for a climber probably at that squad, a top-tier climber to add to that ranks. But if he wants to make the Tour de France, he has to be on sort of a Tour de France squad that's in the loop. Chris Froome has been learning and improving his French over the past couple years. And there is a certain team with a big name, oil brand, petroleum people backing them who are losing a very notable Tour de France star of the 2010s, Total Energy. Broom jumping across to there, that would really fit in with their their new image of being the washed French team that assigns old people. And you know what, I think it could work out, but to be honest, I just think he'd probably stay at, Israel, Premier Tech. He's been really focusing on the charity aspect and, and giving back and making this team more than, than, than just a bike team. And I think Chris Dream is probably on board with that project. Uh, they raced the Trove Rwanda this year and Froome was there. It was a big deal for them. He's He has got them a lot of publicity. So I would suggest he probably stay with the team. And also he's built up this relationship with a very, very rich man by the name of Sylvan Adams, and maybe he would want to sort of keep on this this partnership they have going.
1: So we kind of agreed that basically Froome going somewhere is not because he's going to get results. It's because of his celebrity presence like his history and yeah. the, the weight that his name brings that's essentially what he's bringing to the table like he ain't winning
0: look at his stats on pro cycling stats it's, it's gone from hard. like in the thousands in 2018 all the way to like the double digits uh, mm-hmm. obviously in 2019 we know what happened there but like following on there when he went to Israel Primatech like what's the best result you can think Froome did like Toro Wonder, no offense to it but a writer like Froome should be walking all over those riders.
2: He was 14th at Mercantile. It's not bad. Um, But this reminds me of football referencing coming, guys. This reminds me of David Beckham in sort of the late 2000s when he moved to LA Galaxy. His Froom's move to LA Galaxy was like him going to Israel Premier Tech. Then he went to Paris Saint Germain, and then went went back to America. Maybe Froom is about to make a, a brief world tour appearance before he moves back to obscurity once again, or or he starts a team or so forth. Who knows? Maybe Ineos can.
0: Ineos would take him.
2: Ineos but- in- is
0: so desperate. Yeah, Ineos like in- in- are desperate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, don't you think UAE are the, the paris Saint equivalent, or are they more than Manchester City? I would say Man City. I think Ineos is maybe more Manchester United,
2: but football, football metaphor, football. <laughs> I, I, I've
1: lost, I've lost it already.
2: But, I don't know, maybe maybe if, if we're drawing comparisons between Beckham and Froome, Froome is going to make that brief World Tour stint before he goes back but, into human power World Tour, Israel.
0: Who would take him like anyone on the world tour, Can you think of,
2: I mean, UAE are hiring a lot of people, but I don't think they <laughs> would hire uh, we have a lot of transfer rumors at the moment coming from UAE, uh, but I don't think
1: he'd fit in Astana. Ooh, oh, the kind of of actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was just like, there is no, there's no real good reason for Chris room to go to Astana really isn't they've already got the main man in Lutsenko like Chris <laughs> Freeman is going to be Chris road champion be dom- Ro- national road champion we didn't mention that earlier yeah like Chris domestique him like for, for Lutsenko ain't no way he's boiling his way in there
2: lead out man for Gleb uh Two thousand twenty-four.
0: <laughs> I mean this year they're going to break the record the Eddie Merckx record with Mark Cavendish potentially so next year they want to Make sure that Froome joins the five Tour de France
1: club. Imagine a Starner just swooping in and side. Like, we're going to take this sprinter, get him one last win. We're going to get this one GC guy and get him one last win. And then we're just going to finish. And then that's it. And they just claim all this victory. <laughs> they are just like the, the cherry on top of the cake.
2: This is this um, is the, their new niche in cycling. Yeah. It's like bringing over riders for their like final farewell season. <laughs> Maybe in like the year is 2036 and Teddy Pogacar is moving to Asenon, Kazakhstan to get a sixth Tour de France victory and the, they're the team that are going to push him across the line.
0: Who knows what will happen with Froome. I think we're all kind of just sad that it's kind of declining his a legacy in a way. Every time he goes on into a race and doesn't win it, it's kind of that that monster that we all recall uh, isn't there anymore. But nevertheless, Froome aside, that was a bit of a bonus conversation, but the Tour de France is happening. So we might as well we'll do predictions. So we'll start a bit of like what podium the jerseys and then a bit hot takes as you and calls it. And then uh, we'll come back and laugh at ourselves after the Tour de France or maybe celebrate. I don't know. Who do you guys think are going to finish on the podium? Bear in mind, you and I have already done this over on the previous show on the second game channel, but I'm going to change my podium just to double up on it. But uh, yeah, Patrick, you can go first.
1: Um, Oh, actually, I've done a preview. I just haven't uploaded it yet, but I'll stick with it. I'm going to go with, uh, third will be Hindley, second will be Vingegaard, and first will be Pogaccio. This Um, is exactly you as well. That's that's it. Do do, do you Uh, you want to go on to green, or do you want to do a a yellow for everyone and then go around?
0: uh, I mean, just go for it. Yeah, we'll just do Uh, all of it, and then we can laugh at each other. I think I'll it's go... raining here. I'm in Yorkshire, and it's raining and sunshine. What is going on? <laughs>
1: I'll go green jersey. It's a little bit rogue, I will admit. I think that everybody's looking at like a Jasper Philipson. I'm going to go with Dylan Cronabegan to win the green jersey. <laughs> oh wow! I think the polka dot jersey logically it goes to Pigacha, but I'm going to go with Tom Pidcock and the white jersey ah. will go to Pigacha. just because I think that ineos. I need some this race. It's probably not gonna be GC. Pidcock will just go and do his thing in a breakaway and win polka dot jersey. Because like he's just I don't know. He was he hiding underneath a table? I don't have an umbrella, so I need to improvise. <laughs> that's that's my kind of prediction. Um hot takes. I will go with Maxime Van Hills will win stage one <laughs> and um I will say that Adam Yates will finish on the podium, as well.
0: But e- even though you didn't pick him on the podium,
1: he'll finish in fourth. Then <laughs> you're gonna double up on these things. I'll say that he, fin- he Yeah, he finishes top. Yeah, he'll finish fourth place. Then that's my uh, that's my kind of hot take. There. I think that Pagat will also win four stages. Those are my kind of free hot takes.
2: Okay, so my podium is exactly the same. So Hindley, go and Pogaccia. Exciting, I know. Green, I think, is going to go to Jasper Philipsen. The white jersey is going to go to Pogaccia. I'm purely based on historical trends since COVID that the winner of the GC has won the polka dots. I, therefore, have to go with with the trend and say Pogaccia is going to win polka dots. Hot takes time. I think Mati van der Poel will win a mountain stage. I think he's going to do a Giro 2022 kind of exhibition where he... um. He performs really well in the first couple of days. I think he definitely could win the opening stage in Bilbao, take the yellow jersey, wear it for a couple of days, then later in the race, try to go in the breakaway and fight for a stage win. And for that, I think there's maybe sort of one of these downhill stages later on that, that come in the Alps that could really suit Marty van der Poel, but he gets a sort of debut mountain stage. One of my catchphrases is that whatever Wauw can do, Marty van der Poel can do as well. So I think um, Van der Poel will get that mountain stage. We saw at the Giro last year how close he came, especially on that day that was won by Bitrago. He was right up there in the breakaway all day, maybe went a little bit too early, was too giddy in the breakaway. This year, I think he'll be maybe a little bit more patient in the breakaways and could get something. Um other hot takes include the fact that I think, I mean, this isn't really a hot take, it's quite a cold take, but I think Adam Yates will absolutely play Yembo Visma in the mountains. I think he could be a really decisive character in in this Tour de France. He's just so good, and I'm really excited to see him play this, this new role. I think Fred Wright will win a Tour de France stage. I think he's now sort of popped his victory-winning cherry. That could have he's, gone weird. He's... <laughs> I'll just I'll just rephrase that. He's finally won. So now the domino effect will continue. A bit like Mass Payson last year when he hadn't won a grand tour stage and then the floodgates opened and he kept on winning grand tour stages. I think Fred Wright's going to have that same momentum here. I think we're gonna have a rogue yellow jersey. Uh, someone from the breakaway or a decent rider will get the yellow jersey from stage five until stage nine. I think that there'll be too much pressure on the GC teams to lead the race that early on. So we could see someone like Tom Pidcock, Quinn Simmons, Valentin Madoise, and so forth. Probably take the yellow jersey for a couple of days to alleviate the pressure from, uh, from the GC teams.
0: And I believe Uno X will be the most underwhelming team of the Tour de France. The hate continues. Uh, corrections corner, by the way, it's not whatever Wout can do, Macho wonderful can do. That's not what you say. You say whatever Wout can do, Macho
1: Wonderful can do better. <laughs>
2: <laughs> More salt. I didn't want to be yeah, that exactly.
1: Salt. <laughs> just, just continue our theme of just being Wout and Arbushes, basically. I, I like Wout and I'm not flashing here. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. I like it too, but the people in the comments seem to think that we hate him. Yeah.
0: Uh oh the yeah, rain's what? back. What is happening? Uh any podcast listeners, I'm currently battling with the temperamental weather of Yorkshire. But uh nevertheless, for my uh podium, I think well I can't uh, I can't even remember my podium from the preview. Uh so I will just make one up and I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say Jonas Wingle winning because I didn't say that last year and he won. So I'm going to say the winner of <laughs> this year's edition is third place. We have Adam Yates, second place, Wilco Kelderman, and Pogacar wins it. Kelderman? Yeah, because Jonas Wingo has a problem or something. Fair. Uh, 2020 vision. Wow. Uh, in the green jersey, I'm going with my heart this time. Binyam gomay takes it. And Polkadot jersey, I think it's going to be Thibaut Pino. In terms of hot takes, Binium wins a stage. Hopefully, Uno X wins a stage, despite the UN hate. And I
2: actually can I retract my previous comment. I think, I think which th- one the what we not bash totally
0: or take the what we're not bash, the Uno X
2: bash, the or Uno the Uno bash? bash. I don't actually think they'll be the most underwhelming team. I think that's probably going to be Total or Arkea. And I love, <laughs> I love my boys. But I feel like Arkea is gonna be underwhelming here at the Tour de France once more.
0: Oh, Ineos. Ineos could be underwhelming.
2: I have a feeling Mihawk Vyakovsky is gonna win a stage.
1: God, I would absolutely love that.
2: Are they satisfied with a stage? Do they Well, they didn't get one at the Giro again. So this is kind of what they yeah. They need this because they're yeah. not finishing in top five in G C. Well yeah, exactly. This is what we well, got, like, the There's big the hot top. take.
1: Pit yeah, exactly. Gonna, yeah. He's gonna do right stage five you know, the of, was it, is it Laurent? Is that La right? Hance, yeah, yeah La that is where Mark Hershey almost did that raid in the 2020 stage nine, probably my favorite Tour de France stage ever. Pitcock is going to recreate ever. Hershey 2020.
0: Ever? So Pitcock, Yorkshireman winning on top of Alpe d'Huez, didn't make it, make, didn't make the cut?
1: Uh, yeah, that's was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, it, it was pretty good. That is the stage which I was on Netflix, by the way. Just letting people know. It's what reference Scott was saying earlier. But I think that they need to deploy Pidcock. I reckon he got off stage last year. they got to build a bit more confidence in him. I reckon he'll have a bit more... If he gets tied to Carlos Rodriguez for like finishing 6th or 7th in GC, I'm going to be pissed off, man. I'll be so heated.
0: Who do you think is going to win the team classification, the most exciting competition of the whole Tour de France?
1: Bahrain. You know, I reckon, uh, yeah, getting the whole team up on the podium for the team classification—that'll be. They've done it before. Yeah, I think Bahrain—they him a break a lot. Uh, Bahrain could be good. Bilbao, Lander,
2: Pauls, Haig, but similarly, UAE might have. Um, they'll probably have Yates and Pogacar in top ten. As will probably Kelderman and. Vingagol, and I'm probably adding up one of the other guys from UAE and Yumbo. I feel like it's probably one of those two,
0: but I'd really like it to be Bahrain as well. But nevertheless, that's oh, face- so, uh, the, the uh,
2: creativity award. Hello.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. Which French rider do you think is going to win that? It'll be Pino because it's yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah like, exactly. He'll,
1: he'll be in one breakaway, no doubt, like, no doubt, <laughs> easily.
2: I am going to say it's going to go to either Mati van der Poel or Tom Pitcock. I think they will probably go ham in the breakaways this year. Neither, I don't think either of those teams will have top five ambitions in reality. So they're probably going to have to go for it. I feel like they're probably going to light things up. They both have a good chance of wearing yellow at least once and winning at least one stage and last year we saw they gave it to Wout they gave it to Hirschi in 2020 I feel like they're moving away from the sort of purely French picks and now towards the sort of the headline grabbing sort of fan favorite picks and I feel like that could continue with Van der and Pidcock
0: okay well moving now to our final part of the show the favorite part we haven't really done uh comments reactions but we might save that for another day it was a bit heavy with the Tour de France stuff but make sure to comment down below if you want to maybe get featured if you make a chuckle definitely you will but uh yeah writer of the week uh with nationals kind of the central focus oh actually no 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 sorry 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 we forgot the last part we didn't cover it last time the walter at colombia happened as well and miguel oh, angel lopez dominated <laughs> dominated this this uh yeah i thought he had actually written it before so it was it's the 2.2 so it's the kind of it's not the tour of colombia that we saw in the past that that race hasn't really revived itself but this is the what would you say amateur kind of it's not amateur but like the continental team club teams kind of thing and uh yeah miguel
1: angelope is absolutely dominated.
0: yeah what did you think of this dominance
1: it was just a meme that popped up on Just occasionally. Did he even win like a bunch sprint or something in this race? It was just ridiculous. I just, I mean, don't go wrong. It's kind of funny when you just look at the result and it's like, he won by, what was it, six minutes and 17 seconds. It's like, come on. We have to mention Miguel Angel Lopez. He's just- And all the
0: classifications as well.
1: He won everything. How many
0: stages did he win? All of them apart from one. Yeah, like What? (laughs) And There's nine a, stages.
2: I mean, 10 if you include the, the prologue, which yeah, he yeah, won. Yeah, you're T- right. You're T- right. TT Superman right. Lopez. He's defrosted this, this amazing time trialing performance. This is a man who lost six minutes at, at La Planche a couple years back. And um, I mean, to be fair, he's racing against another highest level of competition. Uh, once again, it's like Beyonce turning up to your high school um, talent show. But I mean, it. It was just a meme. And what I loved is that like, Medellin gave him a full yellow like, like skin suit. He had the he had the full yellow outfit and all that for, for this race. It was like he was at the Tour de France. If he were at the Tour de France, he probably would have actually had a decent chance of making top 10. But um, alas, he's um, currently in Colombia winning Nine stages of the world famous Boalta, Colombia. He's probably won more this year than he's ever won in another season before. Yeah, definitely I, know the, definitely. I know the level of races aren't quite the same, but this is
1: still pretty impressive. It's just a pure morale boost for
0: Glorified pack on the back, uh, but yeah, we. I just thought we should throw him in there because we, him and Ledzenko seems to be two podcast favorites. But yeah, we'll continue to. So what's happening here. But anyways, coming to rider of the week, and I'm tempted to give it to Miguel Angelopez after this. But uh yeah, who who's your rider of the week, guys?
1: I mean I don't I, I tried to like, reserve him early in the week. I'm gonna go with Alex sigart for finishing second in the Belgian time trial behind Wabinar and in the road race behind Avonapool. I mean he's very good at he's good at one day races. He can climb, he can kind of time trial. He's either Belgium Lutsenko. <laughs> in in performing he's in performing stages. He's only 20. Like this guy's got plenty of time to develop into the Lutsenko role that we all know and love.
2: I could continue the meme and pick Lutsenko, given that he won both the road race and the uh, time. Oh, please trial. do. Please do. I mean, it's Kazakhstan. It's like Astana versus Astana. It's true. The team is literally called Astana Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan with a Q. Can I go for a double act? Sure, why not? I'm gonna go for probably one of the most successful cycling households we have at the moment. Urshke and Tadej Pogacar. Between them, they won three of the four Slovenian titles on offer this week. And also, it became a bit of a meme during the week because a popular Belgian newspaper described Urška Žiget as Tade Pogacar's girlfriend and then it became a meme that people calling Pogacar Žiška Žiget's boyfriend. So let's continue the good love and have Pogacar and Urška Žiget. Also there was a funny video of Pogacar staying at this place in Slovenia and there was this corner called the Poggy Corner. And it was like, he had this big chair and Pogacar was sitting in it. And they had his little jersey above him as well. It was very cute.
0: I mean, I kind of want to pick Miguel Angel because we've never seen this kind of dominance in such a long stage race. But like Ewan said, the whole Beyonce. <laughs> who thought we would mention Beyonce so many times on a cycling podcast? I'm also tempted to pick Matthias um, Gelmoser, but that seems a bit too obvious. So I'm going to go with the 19-year-old Josh Tarling, who won his first national senior title and also decided to not go into the under 23 race because he said it was unfair because he's getting so much support from Ineos Grandia so he felt like it wasn't a level playing field so I think yeah I, I think that's that's enough for like being right of the week so uh, and he he really went for it in in the criterium race and the road race as well for his teammates so yeah a bit of a shame Connor Swift couldn't quite finish it off for the Ineos boys. Yeah, we didn't talk about that either. Ineos not winning, not even podium there. Their home race was a bit of a shame. Washed. It's the second year in a row this has happened as well. Washed. Quite embarrassing. But uh, on that high note, that's basically it for our 22nd episode. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Comment down below as well. We've hit over a thousand, so thank you to every single one of you. We will be unrolling our Patreon very soon where we're going to have various competitions, prizes, giveaways or whatever uh, on a very regular basis. But anyways, uh, you can check out all the various social medias down below. And of course, as always, thank you for watching and we will see you around.